Hello and welcome back to another exciting week on Talking With Experts podcast with you, with your host, Chris Cowden. This week I have Ryan Warriner sharing some tips with you on how to prepare for your first meeting with a venture capitalist or one of your potential startup investors. He's going to be talking about how to communicate more effectively and give yourself the best shot at succeeding as a speaker. He's written a book recently, so he's going to be talking a lot more about that and how you can grab a copy at the end. So thank you, Ryan, for joining me on Talking With Experts this week. It is a pleasure to have you, in, and I'm excited to uh, learn more about all those books in the background. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, truly, thank you for believing in me and uh, joining me as an expert on Talking With Experts. So I want to talk to you today about your communication background. So before we do that, Tell me a little bit about yourself and um, what what fun projects you're doing right now. <laughs> sure, yeah. Uh, thank you for having me on. Absolutely. The, so a little bit about myself. I'm a professor of communication, and I call myself a communication specialist. Basically, I'm a professional communication coach and consultant, in addition to um, teaching and doing research in, in, in higher education. So, yeah, I, I spend my time either help coaching people, helping to coach people in their communication, or I spend my time giving advice on how people should approach a given situation, how to navigate, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uncharted territory for them and the different uh, linguistic tools that they have at their disposal to, to help them achieve success and achieve their desired outcome. So that's really, that's really what I do. I'm very passionate about it. And yeah, I'm just happy to, to help as many folks as I can. There's a lot of things that you mentioned there and, um, you know, the linguistic background. Do you have because I've done NLP before, and that gave me a little bit of an awareness of how to communicate non-verbally, as well as building rapport and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, Is that your background? Or did you did you study it at university? Yeah, so my background, my my first um, degree that I completed a bachelor's degree was in psychology, actually, I was always just enamored with the way that people think and learn and, and make decisions. I always found that interesting how two people could view or observe the same event and have two different takeaways from it. Mm. And obviously it's a combination of one's experiences and some uh, genetic predispositions. But it, for me, it was when I was young, I remember being a teenager, just fascinated with the human mind and how we you know, affect change and affect behavior in people is predominantly through communication, mm-hmm. whether it's verbally or non-verbally. So I found that as the channel, as the pathway to influence, to persuade, to basically uh, achieve success, really. Like if you want to do whatever you want to happen, come to fruition, chances are you need someone else to help or you need someone to comply or do something yeah, of that nature. So those skills, that's kind of what drove me into it. I started studying psychology and then and then afterwards, I, went, I studied English. I, I studied education. I have a master's degree in education. I have a master's in professional education and leadership. And I, yeah, I, it, education's kind of always been ingrained in me. And I enjoy the challenge of uh, applying practical concepts and, and practical approaches to different scenarios, different settings, different industries. And I guess... Um... Yeah. So were you always a strong communicator or is it something you've developed over a long time? No, actually, that's a great question. No, I I wasn't many. (laughs) I think that's part of the reason uh, that also propelled me into this career is because I was 
I remember being very, very frustrated um, at a young age because I couldn't express myself. I didn't have mm. the vocabulary to say what I wanted to say. I had, I think we've all had this experience where, from what I, my experience tells me this, that you see something and you have an opinion, but you can't explain why, but you know it, right? Almost like intuitively, right? In whatever field you're, you're an expert in, you see something, you're like, okay, I think this is going to happen next. Or, and someone will ask you, well, why? Why do you think that? And I remember I was so frustrated because I, I couldn't explain it to their satisfaction to convince them or mm. to, to win them over. And I knew at that point, like I said, as, as a young man, I knew I needed to level up my own communication. That was going to be key for me. And, and that has been, that's been a key to my success so far. Yeah. And, and it's the same with me. That's why I started the podcast because I did stutter and I, and I felt like I couldn't get my point across. And I, I wonder if that's probably why I'm a little bit frightened of sales and all of, and I, I am definitely scared of, scared of it because of my ability to communicate and uh, and I'm glad I'm here practicing with a communication expert so (laughs) what do you think um are some of what are some of the lessons you've learned or things that we could do to practice our communication um in a business scenario right so in a business scenario I mean, well, there's different levels to uh, your yourself as a communicator. So if I'm tr- I'm trying to speak in generalities to apply to the the widest audience possible, mm-hmm. I think the first thing is you need to know, like, do a self assessment and, and be really aware of where you stand. It can be difficult for folks because some folks sometimes their communication is not as optimal as they think it, or mm-hmm. as, as they wish it to be. But if they can do that, if they can take a look at themselves and understand, okay, I'm here now, uh, level one, but I need to get to level five. This is where I need to get to or where I want to get to. Then you'll have a much uh, easier time making the progress and, and taking the steps. But uh, communication really is, a, in my opinion, it's, it's a combination of two things. Number one, it is a vocabulary. So you need to have enough tools in your toolkit. You need to have enough uh, to choose enough word choice, you need to have enough phraseology, you need to have enough um, basically like building blocks to make your case to communicate. And then once you have that, then the second piece is choosing the right ones to encode your message to your audience. Mm-hmm. Because you mean, we could, we, in English, we have, you know, there's a thousand and one ways to say the same thing, but depending on who we're speaking to, um, you know, a thousand of them might not, might bounce off or it might cause them to be, you know, more repelled, but yeah. the one will be, will land. The one will receive and the audience or your counterpart, I usually refer to them as your counterpart, will leave with the impression that you want them to leave with, thinking what you want them to think, you know, holding you in high regard and thanking you for sharing it with them. Like those are all like positive outcomes that you would want, but you just need to know the right approach to use for the right scenario. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes, uh, tailoring the conversation to the right person. Uh, uh, is that? Would you say that's correct? Tailoring the conversation. Yeah. Yes. I, I. I would say that's correct. Unfortunately, I mean, everyone and everyone <laughs> and their brother always says you need to know your audience. You need to know your audience. Yeah. So where I come in is I. I say yeah, but it's not enough to just say that because there's so many folks out there. Who, okay, I know my audience. I have to speak with my boss, for example. Mm-hmm. Okay, I know my boss. I, I work with them every day. I know what they're like. I know this. I know that. And I know they're not going to like what I tell them, for example. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
So how does that knowledge help you to achieve your desired outcome, right? That's usually the, that's the bridge that I help build right? mm-hmm. because I help them uh, decode the information they have. And then how will that shape or impact what you're, the approach you're going to take, the words you use, the delivery, the intonation, the cadence, and the timing to make sure it's, it's received and gives you the best chance of the highest probability of success. Right? So that's kind of where I come in. So they're, they're a very rushed person. They're very busy. Um, you know, they don't have much patience. So what does that mean for you? It means, you know, you're sticking to headlines only probably have X amount of time to do it. And you have to be selective with the two and hope that they're important to them. Right. So usually it's more than a hope. We kind of do some more digging, but sorry, it's kind of like a crash crash course. (laughs) Yeah. I I understand that. If somebody's busy, they don't want to spend uh, half an hour talking to you and you need to get the point across quickly and effectively so so what kind of what effective communications do you teach because i know you've 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 run a few you've run quite a few courses for mba students so what uh what effective communication strategies uh do you teach sure so typically i teach well what i what i specialize in i've been doing this for for years now is um presentations and and spoken oral communication Mm -hmm. so uh, as it applies for for mba students or for engineering students master of finance students typically these folks are excellent in in their core competencies Mm -hmm. right so they're fantastic in uh, analyzing business and being able to to, you know uh, implement processes operations etc sometimes what gets overlooked or, or, or neglected is their development of their communication, mm. right? Because I, I always use the example of in finance, like an accountant and not to knock on accountants at all, but you know, there are some fantastic people out there who are great with numbers, like accountants who can, you know, they're just, they can do projections that are extremely accurate, phenomenal stuff. But then when they have to explain it to, to others, what they've done, they're very uncomfortable and, sometimes they don't choose the best words. Mm-hmm. They don't choose the best language. And that's for everything, right? And some engineers are like that. Like some people are just introvert, right? And typically introverted folks tend to work uh, more independently and on, on different types of, of tasks. So it, it's usually with, with those uh, folks that I specialize in, I really help them to, uh, I hate to use the term like get out of their shell because it's, it's not yeah. that, but I help them to identify what's important and then how do you convey that, right? You don't have to be charismatic and, you know, a, a fantastic orator for everyone, like at a bal- standing at a balcony for everyone to, to listen. That's what people think, right? People think like, mm-hmm. oh, I need to speak like, you know, this person. I need to speak like Steve Jobs. I need to speak like, you know, like Simon Sinek. But, but you don't, though, to be effective. To be effective, you have to be clear. You have to be concise. You have to be, have uh, fantastic content selection. Know what they need to hear and then deliver it effectively that's really the key to success for speaking and and i and i and i struggle with that and i think i'm getting a lot of practice by talking to a range of different people mm-hmm. i i i found that i say a bit and then i pause and i struggle to think about what i'm going to say next and then i go again but i think i think like maybe communication comes with practice and mm. and you teach that so um from again if somebody is doing pitching to because i'm going to have some people that have startups coming on so and they might be pitching to investors uh what advice could you give to them um when they're pitching to investors 
Sure. Yeah, this is something I, I do quite often. I'm actually working with two startups right now. Um, so I would say a couple things that that anyone, <laughs> any entrepreneur, any aspiring uh, startup needs to know. Okay. Um, there's a few things. For, like chief among them is your slides, your deck, the the visual aids you use mm-hmm. are not your presentation. Okay. They're not your pitch. You are the pitch. Right. It's a tough pill to swallow. Many people want to offload that. Say, look, I spent. 10 hours doing this deck, the deck's going to carry me to the finish line. No, it won't. Okay. I've, <laughs> I've never seen that happen. In all my experience with VCs, with venture capitalists and investors and who are funding them, they invest in the people, uh, not the slides, right? Mm-hmm. And not, that's just the way it is. And if you accept that, then you realize, okay, well, then what's the purpose of my slides then, right? Mm-hmm. They're to support you and they're to, to help you in, in displaying and conveying what you want they are not to replace you, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's the mistake, right? Many people think, I'll show my slides, I'll read off the text on my slides, and then nothing can go wrong. I included everything, so they got all the information, right? It's like, I hate to tell you this, but they're probably not listening. <laughs> it's a hard it, reality to face. Yeah. It's, a, it's a tool. Yes, yeah. exactly. It's a tool and it's meant to, it's meant to help you. And I, I tell folks to think about it like as if it's, it, you're watching a movie, okay, it's like the background. It's like the setting, okay? But people are actually watching the actors or what's mm. taking place in the scene, okay? So the setting helps, but, but it doesn't, it, it you know, helps to bring it alive, but it doesn't, it's not the core content. Like, for example, if your slides, for some reason, they weren't working, they were malfunctioning, you should be able to still deliver, Right, like that's, and that's that's what I say is the gauge. You should know your 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 content well enough, your pitch well enough that you can be able to do it without the visual aids. Right? Yeah. Uh, so that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, and so, because you've you've been in those environments where you've been with venture capitalists and uh, other investors, uh, what things have you seen that maybe other startups or other entrepreneurs could improve upon? Yeah. So great question. You're asking a lot of great questions today, Chris. I got to give you credit. (laughs) Communication skills are very, very effective. So one thing that they could, they could use is, and and a piece of knowledge going in, I always like the old adage, you know, an an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. It is so true. Going in with certain knowledge, it helps you shape everything else and it will, it's the best return on your time, right? So that knowledge going in that I need, my slides need to be polished and they need to look professional, but they're not going to, they're, they're going to really be depending on me is, is crucial. Something I've seen that people can do beforehand is make sure your pitch is short. And when I say short, I mean like no more than 10 minutes. Okay. Even if they say you have a half an hour, okay, you really need to condense it to 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And the reason is because if they're, you, you keep it to the basics, you keep it to, we typically, you do some research and you find out what kind of portfolio these investors have already and what, what do they know? What do they not know? Usually VCs know the size of the market. So you don't have, some t- people spend minutes highlighting how large their market is for their product or their service. Yeah, that's kind of like wasted time. You can mention yeah. it, but you don't need to, to dwell on that. So there's a tip. Um, but, but additionally, yeah, keep it 10 minutes, you have to be selective. Don't go into the weeds. Don't go deep on any one thing. If they want to know, they'll ask you during the Q&A, okay? Mm -hmm. That's the time period you want to extend the Q&A. That's the extension. And generally what you're looking for 
an investment pitch for anyone who's never done when you have one coming up and you're kind of nervous about it. What, you're, you, uh, what a win looks like for you is, you know, a win looks like them saying, we'd like to speak with you afterwards. Let's set up a meeting. Okay. It doesn't look like, you know, like, um, we're going to write you a check. Like that, that, that doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's what you're going for there. So because I'm quite ignorant to it, uh, what goes into a pitch? <laughs> Well, uh, there's there's a few things. Again, it depends on pitches are so fascinating for if you're pitching for, as a startup for investment, let's say, versus if you're pitching a marketing plan for a large company. But if you're pitching for investment, there's a, a few things. Typically, they want to see the what your core concept is, mm-hmm. and you know, there's a, a famous quote. I think it was by um, Albert Einstein, if I'm remembering correctly. It's if you can't sum it up in one sentence, you don't know it well enough. Oh. So. So you, they, they want to know that. Have you put the time in to, to actually condense it, to be concise and know what your core comp or your, your core concept is in, in one sentence, then they want to know what's, what's the proof of concept? How do you know it will work? Right? So has another, uh, similar product done well in this, or have you done market research? Do you have letters of intent from folks saying, if you build it, they will come type of thing. Mm-hmm. Right? So that you need to have that established the proof of concept. And so that's basically the floor. And then the ceiling is like, you know, what are, how far can you take it, right? So what's your minimum viable product? Uh, how much do you expect that will generate within the first year? How are you going to plan to execute that? Because I, idea is nothing without execution. So you really want to yeah. highlight the execution. And again, if they have any questions with any of this, they'll ask you afterwards. Like, you know, so you said that your execution, you were going to roll it out in three months. How do you plan to get this out in three months, right? Yes. Then you elaborate and you say, well, we have this many people and this is what their roles are. And this because then they're giving you the floor and they want to, to know, right? But if you don't give them that opportunity, then you're just kind of throwing darts at the board, hoping you'll hit what they want to hear, right? Yeah. So that's the winning philosophy. Okay, so I guess you could you could say something, but wait for them to a- ask you a question on that specific thing. Uh, okay, that that's really interesting. And so, so because pitching isn't your well, it, you've got experience on it. We want to talk about communication again. <laughs> Bring you back <laughs> sure. to communication. Um, what could other people who I, I guess I have a little bit of an understanding of communication and what could other people or uh, what uh, let's let's try and communicate this properly um what do you see people could imp- maybe maybe we've already covered that um commu- communication when someone's in a sales conversation with somebody mm-hmm. how, how how can they how how can they improve the process uh, or like may streamline the communication process so that they go from a from prospect to a client. Yeah, that's a good question. No, I understand what you're asking. I understand what you're asking. So, my communication advice for and by the way, as I'm as I'm speaking, there's so many thoughts going through my head. <laughs> um, I'll try to remember them for later. But um, so when when folks, my advice for communication for folks selling products or services would be. Again, uh, uh, the more exposure you have, speak communicating with others, mm-hmm. the more, the larger your vocabulary and your toolbox will will become. Mm-hmm. So, if if I'm speaking with you and you use a phrase I hadn't heard before, but I like the sound of it, right? All of a sudden, that becomes in my active vocabulary. And then, if I find myself in a similar situation, 
that will, my subconscious will pull that out as the optimal phrase for the time. Right? Mm. So sometimes folks that struggle, they don't have, like they, they go through the same repetitive language and it's, it kind of gets almost ingrained. It becomes ingrained in them. And then usually it's not optimal for the audience because every person is different in sales. I know so they might have some shared needs or some, some common attributes, but generally each communication, uh, each conversation is unique. Mm-hmm. So you need to, when you step into it, you need to have a rough idea of where you need to get to, but you also need to understand, um, you know, what's possible, right. For, for them. And, and if you have that, though, both those understandings, where you want to get to, where you're starting from, then it's like building a bridge. Then you kind of work from both ends together. Mm-hmm. My, my advice would be for people who are getting into those situations. Number one, exposure is great. The more folks you talk to, the more patterns of speech you'll, you'll acquire, the more you can use. And also you'll be able to understand when people say, uh, you know, some phrases are encoded, you'll actually understand what they mean. Right. Some people don't aren't upfront with it. Right. So for example, oh, I have to check with my, it's a bad time of year. Or I have to check with my brother. Or I have to check. Right. Mm. Typically that means things aren't going your way. So you might want to change up your, your strategy at that point and, and use something else, but having some stock phrases are good to use, but I just wouldn't lean on them. I would speak more from, um, speak more off the cuff, speak more freely. It's more genuine. It's less yeah. uh, canned rather than going, Oh, excellent. awesome just have a conversation i I can remember somebody else saying sales can be intimidating but if you're having a conversation with that person and like a heart to heart then the then the sales conversation will go a lot a lot easier i don't know why do you think people are intimidated by sales i think because in sales there's a very high rate of failure um, and I mean, so you talk to 10 people, three are interested, one will buy, right? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm making up numbers here, but but you get the point. So so there's like 70 or to 90% failure. People people view a no as a failure mm-hmm. when really it's it's not. It's part of the process, yeah. right? Like you have to have that understanding going in. Otherwise, you'll be kind of defeated. So um, folks who don't have a, a track record of success uh, going into it, many people like to have that confidence going into it. Mm-hmm. And, and that does help. Like that's what sales really is. When you think about it, it's a transformation of confidence, right? I'm confident in what I'm selling in my product. Mm-hmm. I know it's going to help you. It's going to be the answer to all your prayers. Okay. I need that to transfer that to you. So you believe it. Yeah. Right? Typically the, the, the pitch is like the, the channel that gets it there, but the confidence is, is comes from you. So you need to be the one who's, you know, you know what you're selling, you know, all the ins and outs for it and you know them and that's what they need. And that will shine through that will, that will come through with throughout the conversation. Um, but you just have to be understanding that, you know, they might not be able to afford it. Mm-hmm. They might not have approval from their bot. If you're, you know, selling like B2B business to business, they might not have the authority to do it, or they only have so much that they can do. Right. So there's, there's restrictions that you might not be aware of. It's not necessarily a reflection on you. It's yep. just, you know, it is what it is. Yes, that they might not qualify or they need to confirm with somebody else if if they're not the key decision maker. So yes. so there's lots of elements there. And um, I, get, I guess you have to figure that out by practicing sales conversations. And I think for me, I've had a few mentors previously and they've done a little bit of role play with me so that's kind of got rid of 
that that fear but i think it's something that i need need to practice more um i i i know that i'm somebody that struggles with objections and i'm sure there's other people listening that also struggle with objections what advice could you help them with uh, in that if you if you do have any advice yeah for sure so um call them out the simplest thing is to call it out so like i know like i'm giving you an example here right let's say like i know you've had you know 10 people probably this week sell you try to sell you on something and it's probably been the same thing and it's probably not going to work for you so you mm-hmm. probably think i'm so now you're thinking here's this person coming up to me and they're going to do the same thing as the last person and i don't want to waste your time right when you call it out like that uh, that's what I call calling it out or putting a label on it. When you put a label on it, nine times out of 10, their response is to be like, no, 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 go ahead. No, not at all. It instantly makes them more receptive. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you are, if, if you make yourself, but I know I'm going to come off sounding like a used car salesman, just trying to swindle you or whatever you want to say, right. Yeah. <laughs> then if you do that to them, most times people say like, no, 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 go ahead. No, I'm different. I want to listen. Right. And they'll ask you for it. And when they ask you for it, then typically it's, it has a better chance of landing, better chance of being received. Mm. You still might not get the result you want, but at least you'll be, they'll hear you out with, you know, uh, unbiased or an open mind. So that's one thing you can do. I mean, there's a couple strategies depending on the person, depending on the situation. But if I'm, if you're anticipating, you might get met with resistance or hostility or something like that. It's always good to to point out the negative and they will most of them, like nine times out of 10, they'll correct you and they'll say, no, no, no. So, okay. So, so uh, would you agree with agreeing with somebody? Just, oh, I understand that it might be too expensive for you or not. Um, it depends on the situation. If it's, yeah, it, 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 sometimes it can, you can do that if, if the person you see when you get to be uh, like the higher levels of communication, what you're doing at that point is you're not really thinking about, you're not concerned with what you're going to say because you'll have built up enough uh, linguistic tools. You're reading the person and you're adjusting your approach in real time to get them to where they need to go. And typically what the the best strategy is to align yourself, right? So you're trying to align what I have, like I want what's best for you. You want what's best for you. Let's help you get what's best for you. Right. Like mm-hmm. for, as an example, and, and that strategy works well, right? Because then if they say, you know, it, if they say it's, it's too expensive or this and that, if you put you, I would say, you know what, I'm putting myself in your shoes. And if I were looking at it, yeah, I would think it's expensive too. Um, but my second thought would be, you know, this will pay dividends down the road. And in the first four months, I would earn 70% of it back. And, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, I'm, I'm just making it up, but, but you get my point, right? So you help them talk through it with them. And at that point, you're almost like, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're on their side. You're, you're a buddy trying to help them get what's best for them. So. Yeah. It's not necessarily about your pocket. It's about helping them with their problems and uh, from their point of view. That, that's a different yeah. way to look at it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and the other piece of advice I would give folks is, it's not all about the sale. It's about, it's, it's actually it's quite not about the sale at all. It's about building your brand. It's mm-hmm. People can buy things from anyone, right? You want them to buy things from you, right? So how do you get them to come to you or to have yourself high on their priority list when they need to purchase something? You, they need to trust you, 
right? That, that, that credibility needs to be built. You need to build your own brand. So you do that by, uh, you know, not only telling them and, and what they, that you're have, you have their best interest in mind and everything like this, but also reinforcing it through actions over time mm. that you didn't push them into a sale because you didn't think it was going to be valuable for them. And you don't know, maybe like their brother or their sister or their friend or whoever is looking for something that you could offer and you get a referral and like, that's how it works. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And, and I think I remember in your notes, when I asked you about how you attract people into business, you said referrals. So it, it's, I know you also said organic. So if we go back to referrals and how you attract people into business, can you develop on how you attract people into your business through referrals? Yeah, sure. I mean, my business, I, I actually didn't never set out to start a business. I never wanted to have a business. Because um, I'm very interested in, uh, like, I, you know, obviously, I'm a professor, and I love research, and I love helping folks. But what happened was, uh, some time years ago, uh, a few friends of mine were in Silicon Valley in the Bay Area in California. And they had startup companies, and they had investment pitches. And I was vacationing with them. And they were asking just asking some questions about communication. And I helped I, that kind of uh, grew into me helping them with their pitches. And then as they became successful with their pitches, and they knew other they rubbed shoulders with other uh, entrepreneurs who needed help. They said, Oh, I you know, you got to meet my friend, Ryan, I have, I have a person who could help you with this. And then they would reach out to me and say, Ryan, I have a friend here. I know you just did it for me once, but can you help them? So that kind of grew by that. I mean, that's where it grew organically. <laughs> And I think I, uh, from what I've, from what I understand, I became known, I'm not the world's greatest communicator by, by any stretch, but uh, I think what I became known as is someone who's uh, very easy to work with, who can share some expertise and add some value mm -hmm. and someone who, who people would like to work with and, and, you know, get along with well, and someone who has their best interest in mind. Like, you know, I've told many organizations be like, listen, I, Unfortunately, I can't help you. I think you're looking, you want, you said you wanted this kind of training, but I think you need actually this kind of training. Let me connect you with someone who does that if, if you want, right? And and again, that shows that, you know, I, I, I could just say, yeah, I can do it and then try to figure it out. But mm. if it's not something I feel confident I can deliver, I think that would tarnish my brand in my opinion. And yeah. Oh, that's, that's a really good point to make that you don't have to say yes to everybody. And if there's something you, you cannot do, always pass it on to somebody else. And then they would see that, okay, this guy wants you to succeed, but isn't the right fit and has other contacts. So he's, he's being a genuine salesperson or business owner. Yes. Yeah. Correct. That, that's smart. And uh, I know I like to ask all my experts to give a few actionable steps for people who are looking to grow their business, or improve their communication and so forth. What mm. three actionable steps or, or more you can share more would you like to share today to help them do that? Steps for folks to, to grow their business, to grow their business. If they're scaling their business as well. Right. So yeah, a few things, not all to do with communication, but uh, yeah, the few one of the the first things that that comes to mind is you know, it's the it's, it's an adage, but it's a uh, hire slow, fire fast, and and basically like culture 
in atmosphere in the workplace is very important. Mm-hmm. And it, it's much, I mean, it, I shouldn't say it's much easier, but it is a little bit easier to hire folks and, and, and train them to, to become proficient or to, to excel in, in their day-to-day skills who are already, you know, they have the right mindset. They, they will fit into the, they blend into the culture and they'll help, you know, propel the positive environment versus someone who is, you know, a top performer, but very difficult to work with and, and very challenging to, <laughs> with others. I mean, that could really kind of slow down the whole, the whole machine. So if you find yourself in that situation, I would just, uh, you know, think twice as far as an actionable step, I would have, uh, you know, different uh, interviews and, and you know, back channel to get as much information as the, the folks as you can to make an informed decision. Actionable step, I guess, number two, if you want to say when you're uh, being successful and, and you're growing your business, you want to make sure you know your message. Like you want to know your message inside and out. Mm-hmm. And you're going to shape that message differently depending on who needs to hear it. So if you're pitching to investors, that's different than if you're pitching your product to the, your end user. Okay. Versus if you're pitching uh, to uh, a partner that you want to align with, for example. So the message, even though you know what you're doing, the value proposition, the value for each one changes. And, you know, like the investors, um, they, they want to know that the end users will get value, but they don't, like, that's not the value for them. The value for them is, you know, what they're going to see as a return mm. in the future, right? The end users, they want to know, how are you going to make their life easier? How are you going to save them money? How are you going to make it less stressful or save them time? Typically, that those are the four things. So that's that knowing, you know, actually changing your message for your audience, but you have to know it. That's the first yeah. step. You really have to know it. So spend some time reflecting on it and, and really what you want people to take away. And then, yeah, as a third step, I would say practice your communication as, as often as you can. I know it with the, with the pandemic, everyone's indoors, but if you can hop on a zoom chat, if you can, the more you speak with others, and there, there's a number of platforms you can do it now. You'll find that your confidence grows. You'll find that you know you're you're picking up on other uh, folks' speech patterns, and you're starting to implement them yourself. And those are all positive things, right? You, you mm-hmm. need to. The more exposed you are, the less nervous you'll be. The more confident you'll be. And ultimately, when you're confident, like we do everything better when we're confident. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I I agree with you. And when you said before having different conversations with people you pick up different vocabulary that you could use and and add it to your tool belt so Mm. because i'd say my vocabulary is very basic so uh after having a few conversations with some of my experts i've already realized that i'm speaking a lot easier and more confidently and i've got a few more words added into my own dictionary (laughs) um so I, I did want to ask you two more questions, if that's okay. Sure. Uh, and one of them is, I know we've already spoke about communication, but this one would be about how you generate revenue in your business. Because I know there's a, a lots of people that are doing a variety of different things, but what do you do to generate revenue for your business? So for my business, as you want to say, I'm kind of like, um, I call myself a consultant and a coach or a trainer and a coach. Um, and and typically I, I work with, well, I either work with individuals or I work with uh, teams within an organization. And so generally the, I get approached, folks reach out to me and say, you know, we'd like to level up our either performance or team cohesiveness. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's, uh, we have a conflict in the office or we have, a, you know, we can you do some conflict resolution training. 
Um, recently, I've done quite a bit of leadership training. I'm very big into leadership training now. So folks will will ask me, like I said, they'll, they'll get my name or they'll hear about me from a positive experience someone else had. And they'll ask me if I can uh, you know, do, either run a training uh, for a half day, a, a full day. Sometimes it's two, three days, although I, I try to, to limit those. But so that, that's kind of how I get approached, how the, my, my business grows. Um, and then, yeah, I, I, every situation, well, most situations, but with the exception of my um, individual one-on-one coaching clients, mm-hmm. most situations are unique. So they, they take, they involve me actually diagnosing what would be needed and, and giving my opinion. That's kind of the consultant component of it. So I kind of diagnose the situation and then I, whoever's the, the leadership member that, that uh, secured my services. And I say, okay, this is my opinion. I think this is the problem. I think this is how long it'll take to fix. And I think this is what can be done. And mm-hmm. I kind of map it out for them. And then if they give me the green light or they say, we know we got to do it in less time. What can we do? And I come up with an alternative approach, but so basically it's a long winded way of saying that I do it on a case by case basis. So I, I try mm-hmm. to do like custom, custom quotes for, for different folks, depending on how much time is re- required and, and what that will look like. Yeah, that, that, that's really interesting, especially if I do want to go into consulting, then I've kind of got the framework that you use that you've just told me. So thank you. <laughs> um, what? So one more. Yeah, one more question. Um, for I know we're going back to a few minutes ago, but when you were you were you run courses for those MBA students mm-hmm. for any MBA student that might listen to this or any student that might listen to this, what advice do you have for them in improving their communication and confidence? Yeah, that's a big question because uh, that, that's something that's come up recently with me quite often. Um, there, there's, I don't want to say a phenomenon, but there's definitely a trend with students who are now higher education students and they're MBA students, they're, they're postgrad, and they're transitioning into their careers. Mm-hmm. And they're noticing that the workplace communication is quite different than what they had previously experienced in their life. They're different than classroom. It's different than their friends. When when they're in the workplace, there's a different atmosphere and there's a different um, conduct that's kind of assumed that you will know before you go into it. So sometimes people feel a little bit out of sorts when they're they're adjusting to this new climate, this new atmosphere in, in the workplace. Um, so, and this, as you can imagine, kind of, um, creates some anxiety in folks, a little bit of nervousness, not everyone, but, but some folks it it can, because they're not sure how they should conduct themselves. They're not sure what, what they should say. They're not sure how to respond to emails and, you know, they're doing the best they can, but they might not have all the tools. So for, for those, I say like what you mentioned earlier about having a mentor that is like invaluable having having someone to to show you who's who has the patience and is willing to say like you know i know you you emailed me this and this is what you meant i, I understand but just so you know if someone else were to read this they might think this and then the, the i've seen so many times and then the, the intern or the co-op students like oh really like, yeah, i didn't mean that it's like i know i know and i'm just saying like i i don't take offense to it but if someone else were to see it they might be upset, right? And it's like, okay, you know, thank you for letting me know. You know, and the the that gets kind of I don't want to say correct, but things get recalibrated and mm-hmm. and you know corrected, course corrected, and and then from there on they 
people are able to you know navigate with much more confidence because they they're aware, well aware of what the lines are and the expectations okay okay um and i think we will uh as much as i don't want to <laughs> almost end it there i want to give you some time to tell tell people how they can get in touch with you and and maybe talk about your uh, new book that will be releasing soon and so the floor is yours. Sure. Yeah, thank you very much. So my book that's being released in um, around, it'll be just past the holidays next year, uh, which is my understanding when this podcast will be released. So it's perfect timing. It's called The Effective Presenter. And it's uh, the, the winning formula for business and professional presentations. And what I've done is I've taken all my experience, everything I've learned, and I've broke it down into a framework, into a, a you know, a 10 step framework that will help. It will afford you the greatest probability of success in whatever presentation or speaking engagement or communication that you find yourself in, right? It's, it has different levels. I've, I've it has a visual I'm, I'll share it with you and I'm sure you can share it with your, with your listeners. And it, it really will take reduce a lot of the stress and a lot of the nervousness it kind of alleviates the the unknown and the uncertainty because you'll be certain you've done everything properly and you're ready to go so the the book was actually created it's kind of a long story but it was created because unfortunately my time is pretty scarce and i i wish i could help everyone that that reaches out to me but sometimes i can't so what I've, I've done is I've created the book and I actually in the first page of the book, I wrote that like, may this be a resource to all my friends in business or in the industry who need it when I can't help them because <laughs> yeah, it's kind of meant to be shared knowledge. So I'm, I'm trying to help as much as I can. Um, yes. Yeah, so that's coming out. Definitely grab a copy of it. And if you, and, and if you have any questions on it, feel free to reach out to me. So I'm available. My website's professionalpresentationservices.com. And you can email me or you can uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. I'd be, be happy to chat. I, I can't promise that I can solve all your problems, but I can promise that I will, uh, yeah, I'm happy to listen or hear you out and, and give you the best advice I can. If I can help you, I'll definitely do it. If not, I'll, as mentioned earlier, I'll direct you to someone I can, who can, or I'll do whatever I can to help you out. Amazing. That I was just about to say, you probably won't have enough time, but you can reach out anyway. Um, and lastly, uh, because there are books in the background and I'm inspired by uh, books that I read, what book mm. are you reading at the moment um, that uh, a fellow entrepreneur could read? Yeah, so that's a great question. So the, the book I'm reading at the moment is that it's actually the same book. I read this book at least once a year. I read it once every year, always. It's, it's an oldie but a goodie. It's called How to Win Friends and Influence People mm. by Dale Carnegie. And sometimes the first time I read it, I thought, wow, what a great book. And it wasn't until the second or third time that some of the concepts actually sunk in and I started mm. to apply them. So yeah, that's a, that's a great book. If you, if anyone has a chance to read it, that will, will really help you in understanding how people react in different situations and it'll help you craft your communication. Um, and additionally, just as I'm speaking, there's actually another book I'm going to mention. There's another book, um, by by the author his name's chris voss and yes he, he uh, is a you know him yes <laughs> the black swan group <laughs> correct yeah so chris voss does uh negotiations he was actually a former fbi hostage negotiator and he wrote a book called never split the difference it's another one of those books that might take you it's it's a good it's filled with stories it's a good read but it, it it sometimes you have to read it twice or three times before you can actually apply some of the language but 
he helps a lot to kind of decode and, and, and break down negotiations and what you can do, the tools you can use to help to, to win your negotiation, if you will. So yeah. those would be the two books. Uh, I, I could, I downloaded the ebook version of it so I could listen to it while I was walking and some of the bits and even from YouTube and all the other resources that he has online where he talks about labeling and mirroring and matching and those are really important things that I've learned from uh, the NLP that I did and yeah it, it, I really love communication and thanks for mentioning that you uh, enjoy psychology as well because that's something we have in common but thank you thank you for today again it was a pleasure to talk to you and yeah here's to uh, more talking like this <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely uh happy to come back whenever you'd like and yeah if anyone out there wants to get a hold of me i'd be delighted to help so thank you again for listening to this week's episode of talking with experts podcast with myself chris cowden and brian warrener i can tell you now this was one of my favorite episodes because um, as someone who has simple vocabulary in my opinion um, this was a this was a great episode for me to learn how I could improve my vocabulary and one of those ways was to have more conversations with people that you admire or listen to people that you admire and select the kind of vocabulary they use to communicate and use them in your own um, in your own vocabulary that was really interesting and I, I've set myself one of my goals for 2022 is to read more books listen to more podcasts so that I can improve my vocabulary and become come across as a little bit more knowledgeable on this podcast so you will see hopefully a gradual improvement as I continue and if you want to get a copy of Ryan's new book go over to Amazon and type in the effective presenter and you'll be able to get more information on how to excel at your business presentations. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I'll speak to you next week.